in uh, Matthew, uh, but in order to get the whole picture, sometimes you, you got to kind of look toward the harmony of the Gospels, uh, and in that they do work together. They are, they are uh, written separately by separate people, but they do work together uh, to tell the story of Christ. Some have details that others uh, perhaps weren't there for, didn't remember, didn't catch. Uh, we played a memory game sometimes at school, and you'll play something on a, or what we'll do is we'll play something on a projector, uh, a set of cards or a set of shapes or colors or whatever it is, and then we'll turn it off and we'll tell the kids, hey, write down what you saw. And whenever you get that, every kid has a different answer. Every kid remembers something differently. So whenever you're looking at the Gospels, while they all were there for all of it, they remember different things. And, and y'all remember y'all remember different things too. Things that stand out, things that stick out to you don't are not going to stick out to me. Things that are important to you are not as important to me. And so whenever they begin to write the Gospels, uh, some focused in on other things a whole lot heavier than others did. So in order to, to get a better picture of the, the birth of Christ, uh, we're going to look at Luke's account. As we do find in this case, it is by far the most detailed. We're going to pick up in Luke in chapter 1, verse number 5. Luke in chapter 1, verse number 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Jack Zacharias of the course of Abi, and his wife was with the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Now, a lot of times we, uh, we, we put Mary up on a pedestal because Mary was the mother of Jesus. But in order to have this put in the Bible about you, do you realize how good a people, how righteous a people, how upright a people that these two must have been? in order for, for God to have Luke put in the Bible that they walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. That is something awesome. But we don't put them up on the pedestal as much as we do Mary. But, but they deserve to be in the same place. It says that they walked in all, not some, but all the commandments of the Lord and ordinances blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they, were both, uh, they both were now stricken well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in order of his course, according to the custom of the high priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were with praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel of the Lord, uh, angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for this thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name John. Now we read a very, very similar story back in the Old Testament. Everybody knows the story of Abraham. Uh, him and his wife were both well stricken in years, uh, as the Bible says. And, and they said, we're, we're just not going to do it. They, they considered themselves barren, considered themselves could not do it. And uh, God had other plans. A lot of times whenever we plan things one way or we assume things one way or we see things one way, Whenever we say that this just can't happen, Sarah said, I can't bear a child. Abraham said, we're too old. And no doubt both of these were saying the same thing. Zacharias had obviously prayed for a child, prayed for a son, and God heard his prayer. And he said in verse 14, Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit, the power of Elias, and turn hearts of the fathers to the children, 
and the disobedient to wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now this is the man that we consider to be John the Baptist is, is what we call him. But he was a man to, to make way of the Lord. And a lot of times, especially as, as I was a, a young man, a kid reading the, the story of the Bible, I didn't understand the chronolo- chronology. The chrono- chronology. Noel. I did not understand the chronology of it, the timeline and how it's laid out. So over the last couple of weeks in studying, I found several people that thought of it as different ways. I always assumed that B.C. meant before Christ, right? That's what B.C. was supposed to mean. But what, at what point of Christ is that before? Because if we say B.C. is before Christ and A.D. is after death, then that leaves 33 and some odd years in there that just didn't exist, don't have a time period. Now, I found several people that said that, that the birth of Christ occurred somewhere around 5 B.C. is what they considered. And I said, Christ was already here. How can he be born 5 B.C.? And then others considered uh, the, the, the year of his birth, which they uh, assume according to the, the feast and all that was going on at this time, they assume it to be in the fall of the year. And uh, some said, well, this is obviously 1 B.C. And then, and then others said, uh, and I really like their explanation. They said it don't matter. They said we understand that throughout Jesus' life and, and even throughout the time leading up to his birth, we can understand by what the gospel says and, and by a lot in Leviticus about what time of the year some of these things happen. And we understand that, that John the Baptist was about six months ahead of Jesus, older than Jesus. He was preparing the way for him. Uh, but as far as trying to fight and fuss and argue and study and scratch our head over exactly what time period this happened in. Uh, I, I didn't find an awful lot of people that agreed on it. If God would have wanted us to know exactly all the details about it, he'd have put it in the Bible. But whenever, uh, whenever Zacharias and his wife was told that they was going to bear a child, in verse, let's go ahead and read. Verse number 18. Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answered him and said, I am... Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, sent to speak unto thee, to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until that day these things shall be performed. Thou believest, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. So this is several, several, several months that Zacharias is, is dumb. Uh, and by dumb, they mean he, he couldn't talk. His mouth was closed, and he couldn't, words wouldn't come out. I believe that he could open his mouth. I believe that he could open his mouth and eat. But words would not come out, and he said, this is because of your disbelief. This is a sign of your disbelief. And when I believe that, that whenever he, he walked out of the temple, walked out of, of where he was, I believe that he believed wholeheartedly once he couldn't talk. I believe that his disbelief was fixed right there, right then. But this happened well before we get to the point of Jesus. And I think that, I believe that Luke was revealed these things so that we would have record of them. Verse number 21, And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out and could not speak to them, they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel showed up once again, was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, 
to a virgin espoused to a man named Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, that thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. This verse right here is why a lot of Catholicism hails Mary. It's why they focus a lot of their attention on her. Uh, They tend to shy away from Jesus in a lot of aspects of it. But they say that Mary was chosen, Mary was picked, Mary was special. I believe that Mary was just as important as John the Baptist's mom and dad, Zacharias and Elizabeth. I believe that Mary was just as an upright a person as some of the, the Old Testament heroes that we read about of being Abraham and, and David and, and Elijah and Elisha. Not that they were perfect. I don't believe that any of these people were perfect. I don't believe that's possible. But I believe they were highly favored in that they walked with Christ in a world that otherwise was not. In a world that otherwise had nothing to do with... Well, we, what, what happened between Malachi and Matthew? What, what do they call those? The dark years? The silent years? How long of a period is that? So I thought it was five thousand. Between four and five hundred years, that there was there was no prophecy, there was nothing there. And then you you pick up in Matthew, and in my Bible, there's a there's a little chain, uh, and, and it says four hundred years. And then there's a chain linking the New Testament book on the left or the right and the Old Testament book on the left, and, and in that link of chain, it says Christ. Christ ties them together. But for 400 years there, 400 plus, there was a lot of time that that Israel just existed. They they didn't live, most of them didn't live according to God. And what happens whenever you turn kids loose and there are no rules and there are no parents home? What happens? Anarchy. Anarchy. Kids need, Bailey got real quiet today. We was uh, getting around for church and things got real quiet and, and you could hear her kind of shuffling around. You, you could hear some things going on, but, but she wasn't saying anything. She wasn't where anybody could see her. And Emily said, ooh, what you doing? You done got quiet. What you doing? She was in a laundry room just plundering and playing. But you turn your eyes away just for a minute. You, you leave them in the house just two minutes to walk down to the mailbox and come back. And there's no telling how many blinds are no longer there. It just happens. But whenever the teacher walks out of the classroom, kids go nuts. They could be good kids. But whenever the, the, the rules go away, whenever the, the person who enforces those rules go away, and throughout most of the minor prophets that you find in the Old Testament, they are begging and pleading with an otherwise sinful Israel. So you have way beyond 400 years of Israel just rebelling against God. Israel saying, I don't need God. I don't want God. I won't have nothing to do with it. But then you have a faithful few. You have a faithful few that keep it going. You have a faithful few that, that, that value God, that try to live righteous, that try to pay attention, that, that try to read whatever scrolls or, or books they might have had access to at that time. They try to pray to God. They, they try to stay pure with God. And I have to imagine that that was rare. I have to imagine the rest of the world somewhat as as a Sodom and Gomorrah. Not necessarily the, the, the sodomy, but, but the sin. And, and just no... 
no acknowledgement of God or no acknowledgement of a higher power. And then we find we find three people picked out here. If you add Joseph in, that makes four. Four people that were picked out that were chosen of God to begin what is known as the salvation plan. Four people that was prophesied about in the Old Testament. John the Baptist, we read last week, was prophesied about in the Old Testament. Mary was prophesied about in the Old Testament. Jesus and John both prophesied about in the Old Testament. And after several hundred years, Israel hearing for for years and years, there comes a Messiah. There's coming a Messiah. Here comes a Messiah. Isaiah wrote about the coming Messiah. And then all of a sudden, here he comes. Verse number 31, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. So over the course of about a year, year and a half, you have Zacharias who is told that he's going to bear a son. I'm old. My wife is old. I don't believe you can do it. Gabriel said, okay. Because of your unbelief, you're done. So then it trucks on along about several months. It says that uh, Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months before the angel came unto uh, Mary and said, Mary, you're going to conceive. So that's where we get that that Jesus was born uh, somewhere in Cindy of six months beyond John the Baptist. But one more thing I want to look at. Flip back, if you would, to Matthew. I think it was Matthew. I don't see it in Matthew. Okay, it's in Luke. I'm sorry. Luke in chapter number 2. Luke in chapter number 2. We, we have two groups of people that came to follow and came to worship Jesus. One was the shepherds who the angels appeared to in verse number 10. Or right, let's back up to verse number 9. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And it says the shepherds were in the same country, they were close, and the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, so that you cannot confuse him with anyone else. This is the only baby born in a feed trough this night. And suddenly there was with the angel... A multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels had gone away into the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go even unto Bethlehem and see these things which come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They came, they came to see Jesus. They came to look for Jesus. I cannot find... Anywhere where the wise men came. That's what I was looking for. I know what's in there. I know what's in there. I read it before we come to church. So it's after. 
Okay, Matthew chapter 2. Verse number who? Okay, there it is. I was reading chapter number 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, there came to him wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now whenever wise men came from the east, this was not in the same country. Uh, most uh, of the commentaries that I read in, in trying to read and study this said that they come from way out yonder. Uh, was the best explanation we got. Uh, some of them said that it was a thousand plus mile journey coming from any larger city which would have been east of Israel. Uh, so you're looking at at several months to a year ahead of all of this that, that God spoke to the wise men. Uh, it said that they had seen... Oh, let's see. Verse number two, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. They saw his star. They saw it. When I was in school, most of our teachers were church-going people. Most of them were very, very proud to go to church. I have one in particular who was an atheist. So come every Christmas time, every time it got close to Christmas, she wanted to... Proved to everybody that Jesus did not exist. So one person said, well, what about Jesus' star? It's still up there right now. She said, nope, that's Jupiter. They were seeing Jupiter. Because once every so many hundreds of years, Jupiter is really, really close. And it's really, really big. And it's really, really bright. The wise men were led there by God. The wise men were led there to pay tribute to the king of the Jews. Can you imagine what Herod must have been thinking? Now, Herod had to have been somewhat of an educated man. He, he could not have uh, grown up his whole life and, and ended up being king and not known that the Old Testament prophets prophesied of a coming Messiah. So whenever he heard the wise men came to him first, they came to Herod. And they said, where is the king of the Jews? I can see Herod just standing up there. You found me. <laughs> there he is. Here I am. Verse number three, Herod the king had heard these things. He was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. You can imagine the gossip of what these wise men saw spread very, very quickly. That whenever they came and, and they were asking everybody as they're walking through the gates of the city and then they're walking uh, to where Herod was, they're walking down the streets and they're asking, where is Jesus? Where is the King of the Jews? Where is the Messiah? Where is this person? So it troubled not only the king, but it troubled all of Judea. Verse number 4, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he commanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said to him, Bethlehem in Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. He knew this. He saw it coming. And now Bethlehem and the land of Judea are now least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel and Herod. When he had privately called the wise men, inquired them diligently uh, what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. So we know the three wise men as the three wise men. Herod did not know them as the three wise men. He knew them as the three men. So he set about to trick him to try to get his hands on the, on the Messiah. 
Verse number 9, And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come to the house, they saw the young child Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, so many times in my life, I put all of this happening at the same time. Like I said, I never understood the chronology. The chronology. I never understood the chronology of the birth of Christ. I never understood that the wise men and the shepherds were not there at the same time. I never knew that the, the wise men were not in the stable. Let's read that one more time. And when they were come into the house. So the angels led the shepherds to the stable. So that nativity scene that we always put up is wrong. I didn't know that. I never knew that. It's, it's never something that crossed my mind. In that the wise men came after Jesus was born, after Mary was taken care of, after everything was done and they were back in a house. Then the star, then God, led the wise men to Jesus. Uh, and and that, that made real good sense to me. Uh, we're not going to jump into the gifts. We're going to try to catch that next week. Flip back, if you would, to Luke in chapter 2. According to the nativity scene, he was uh, standing next to Mary. <laughs> that is my answer. It is. There's not about there's not a lot about Joseph after he uh, after Jesus is born. He might have worked offshore. <laughs> but we we already established that there were other children other than Jesus. Yes. So it just doesn't mention anything. He's a household. That's what it was. Somebody got work. If he was always he was working then. He was always working. So I guess Mary was at home at that time. I suppose. Uh, it doesn't mention anybody except Mary and Jesus. At that point, we have to assume. Uh, I don't know where else to go with it. And for the remainder of Jesus' life, and, and we assume that most people that I know assume that Joseph had passed away prior to Jesus' ministry. Uh, because it mentions Mary a lot. It mentions Mary at the cross but it never does mention him. Uh, we don't. We don't know. I have no idea. He could have been offshore, and that was his hitch. <laughs> I like Brother Terry's answer. It's about as intelligent as mine. But after don't. the wise men left, uh, the angel appeared to Joseph and told him to take Jesus and Mary to to flee Herod. Yeah, uh, I think that is in Luke 2. We're about to get to that. Uh, Luke in chapter 2, verse number 21. Uh, after his birth, Jesus was came, and Jesus was come and, and presented to God in the temple when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child. His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, and this is an extended period of time, 40 days, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem 
to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord every male that openeth the womb of a woman shall be called holy to the Lord and they offered a sacrifice according to that which was in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons and behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and the same man was just and devout waiting on the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus of uh, the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when his parents brought him uh, brought in the child Jesus to do so to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took upon him in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And when thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people. And Joseph and his mother marveled at the things which were spoken of him. So this man not only blessed God and, and, and was part of the sacrificial process to present Jesus to the Lord, but this man prophesied of exactly what he was going to do. And, and the first sermon that Jesus preached was about being a light into the world. And here he says in verse 32, he says, This man, this boy, this child shall be a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people in Israel. And then we bring up Joseph again. Joseph and his mother marvel at the things which were spoken of him. And uh, I've always been guilty. I've read through the Bible a couple times, and I'm sure I've read it. I'm sure I've skimmed over it like most of us do. But, uh, but I always miss that part. After, uh, and, and we're going to try to continue down in this next week and cover what the wise men brought. But uh, I always miss following the birth. So uh, our nativity, our Christmas programs, always went through Luke chapter 2. But it always stopped. The last thing that everybody said was in the angel uh, with them, a heavenly host praising the Lord, uh, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace be will toward men. And that was it. That's where we stopped. Like the Bible didn't go any further. Uh, but whenever you begin to read that, that Jesus was presented uh, to the Lord, Jesus was brought to the temple, a sacrifice was made for him because he did open the womb of his mother. And Simeon said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people. So many things tried to stop Jesus from coming. So many, you ever had them days where it just seemed like everything was wrong? You get up on the wrong side of the bed, your alarm didn't go off, you're late to work, can't find your car keys, stump your toe three different crooked ways, and just can't get anything to go right. Jesus' birth was, was kind of that way. I mean, it was an inconvenience for Joseph to find a, a, a pregnant woman that he was engaged to that he had never known, who was still a virgin. That, that, was, that was different, that was weird, that was an obstacle that he, as a God-fearing man, had to overcome. Zacharias and Elizabeth, as two people who were old and should not have been able to bear children, saying, hey, your child is going to pave the way for the Messiah was something that they had to overcome. They made this trip into Egypt, into Egypt and most of you here has is, is either had a kid or been married to someone who had. It was very, very difficult for me and my wife to travel whenever she got to be, you know, big. It was hard to travel. And we had a very, very nice pickup truck. And we traveled, but it was, it was tough. It was hard to get in the truck and come to church. It was hard to get in the truck and go to the store. It was hard to walk out to the mailbox. and well, It wasn't hard for me. It was easy for me. But it was hard for her to walk out to the mailbox and get the mail. 
It was difficult. And Mary and Joseph made this trip into Bethlehem while she was, while she was pregnant, while she was struggling. And then they were trying to find somewhere to stay, trying to find somewhere to go. And the Bible says there was no room for them. And so Jesus was born in a, in a manger, in, in what we call a, a feed trough, a hay trough. He was born in, in a stable with the animals. There was no room for him anywhere. And then Herod heard that he was around. Herod heard that, that there was a, a king of the Jews was born. So what he had done, and, and we didn't read that tonight, but Herod committed a Pharaoh. Had all the baby boys killed. Just, just, just kill them all. Still, Jesus survived. I think it's miraculous in and of itself that God used humans. Uh, God used sinful, uh, mortal people just like you and me to be a part of His Son's life. Not only did Mary and Joseph have to you know, give birth to this child, but they had to raise Him. Can you imagine what it must have been like raising Jesus? A lot of times you'll see cartoons of it and uh, Jesus will be standing up in the bathtub and Mary is saying, Jesus, cut that out because He's walking on water. Some of you get that on your way home. But you see cartoons making fun of, of stuff like that. It, it, I don't know what it must have been like raising Jesus. Did He cry at night? You think He had colic? <laughs> you think? He was circumcised. He was. He cried. I, I bet he did too. I bet he cried. You think he kept his mom and daddy up at night? He was perfect. But he was he was human. The song said he was so much man that he slept in a boat, but he was so much God the wind ceased when he spoke. He had a higher capacity than the rest of us do. But it, it, it's, it's amazing to me that God put so many people in his life. He, he had brothers, and uh, the Bible says multiple siblings, but, uh, but he had people in his life to, to help him, to aid him, to, to take care of him. As a kid, he was dependent not only on God, but he was also dependent on his parents. And I love the fact that so many times in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, God uses regular people. God uses normal people. And I, I know He's not going to bring another one of His, uh, his son back into the world uh, again except to you know, take us out of here. But uh, he, still has, he still has ways that He can use us. And we are considered to be normal people. We're all a little weird, but we're still normal people. And I thank the Lord for the story of... Uh, for the account. Uh, I hate saying story. It's a habit. For the account of Christ's birth. And the, uh, in the fashion in which God brought him into this world. Anyone else have a comment? That, uh, you, you were talking about the time element between Malachi and, and Christ. That's that 490 years that was predicted. And 483 years is gone. See, Malachi, him and Ezra, all of 